Good morning, good morning. If you're a student, you're dismissed. Welcome to one and all. Glad you're here today. As always, I greet you in the name of my Savior. And I believe he's happy we've chosen to gather together and celebrate his love and goodness and his blessings toward us. Um, Kimberly, thank you for making everything so pretty. Uh, we're grateful. It looks great. And uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to do something today that I have. I'm going to. Uh, I want to just. Read to you. Not so much a sermon. And you'll see what I'm talking about. But more of just a declaration of, my, of one of my core beliefs. Maybe, maybe my core belief. Um, I try my best against every molecule in my being to try to watch a little bit of both sides of the news every day. And it is all I can do um, to endure it. Um, and, but I feel like, you know, you ought not be ignorant. And um, so anyway, I try to do that. And, um, you know, one of the things that just yells at me as I do that on both sides is just how our media, our news media, is so fear-driven. They want you to be afraid. Fox News wants you to be afraid of the folks that they don't like. And CNN wants you to be afraid of the folks that they don't like. And all the little underlings, you know, that go along with them. But um, everything it seems like that they present, there is either directly or indirectly such a... a and uh, uh, looming disaster if the other side uh, isn't defeated soundly. And I'm not minimizing the seriousness of the, of the issues. I'm not, I'm not in any way doing that, and I don't want you to think that, because I don't, I don't think that. But as a Christian... What am I supposed to do with that? Not the specifics, not the details, but that underlying message that we want you to be fearful and terrified if you don't help us stop the other side. What am I supposed to do with that? How am I supposed to respond to that? And uh, I just put this together for what it's worth. <laughs> and I just want you to listen to it. And uh, you can agree or disagree. And you can go home and hopefully do neither as much as go home and think about it. And see what God might have for you. Uh, what he would want you to think and believe and how he would want you to respond. Um, just so you know, 
Uh, well, let me read this to you real quickly. I'm going to reread. Robin didn't do a good job, so I'm going to reread Psalm 47. Uh, she tried, but she didn't really do a good job. So but that's okay. We still love you. Um, Psalm 47, the psalmist says, and the re- I'm teasing Robin, obviously, but um, in, in the Hebrew language, it is amazing in this little psalm how many times, and I never counted them, but I bet there's a dozen, maybe more, either implied or ex- you know, explicitly stated the idea of all, A-L-L. It's, it, 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 it is obviously the writer wants that idea emphasized. All. Okay? Now, I had a seminary professor in a, 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 well, no, that's not true. He was a college Bible professor, I guess, theology professor. He made a statement. Lord have mercy. That's been 42 years ago, I guess, give or take. And... Uh, he was an odd little quirky dude named Dr. Fink. <laughs> uh, but he made a statement in, in class regularly. He said, the word all is an incredibly significant word theologically. It's a big word. And you won't see that or get that until you really have begun to study the scripture and and, and, and see it as a whole, but there'll be a point when you will recognize the theological significance of the word all. And he said, you know the definition of all, right? The definition of all is all means all, and that's all all means. And he said that, I'll bet you, a hundred times uh, in our class. Or I had him several times. But um, this writer is emphasizing the word all. And so I want you to to listen for it, okay? What, he, what, what it says in the Hebrew language is this. Come one and all. Clap your hands and shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord most earth. He's so awesome. He's the great king of all the earth. He subdues all the nations before us. He puts all our enemies beneath our feet. He chose the promised land as our inheritance, the proud possession of Jacob's descendants whom he loves. He has ascended with a mighty shout and with trumpets blaring. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king over all the earth. Praise him with a psalm. For God reigns above all the nations, sitting on his holy throne. The, I'm sorry, all of the world's rulers gathered together with all of the people of God for Abraham, uh, uh, let's see here, how did I read it? For all of the world's rulers have gathered together with all of the people of God. Um, what, where did I leave? For the God, yeah, the God of I'm sorry, for the uh, with all the people of the God of Abraham. Thank you, Michael. For all of the kings of the earth belong to God. He is highly honored everywhere. Not, uh, yeah. So that, that that's enough. I'll stop there. I just want y'all to see this idea that the writer is emphasizing, that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing through the psalmist of this idea of all. Um, all means all, and that's all all means.
And I want you to listen as I read that psalm a couple of weeks ago. And I was just thinking about all this fear-driven information that's being blasted us. And, you know, where in that psalm do you see alarm? Where do you see in that psalm fear? Where do you see in that alarm, in that psalm, batten down the hatches, uh, dig holes and crawl down in them and... Uh, uh, we ought to be worried and nervous and anxious. Where do, you, where do you see that in that psalm? You don't. What I see as I read that, and as I've read it many times the last week or so, is uh, such a confidence, such a security, such a peace, such a... Uh, just a security that all is well from the vantage point of God because He reigns. And I just want to, I want to just, I want you to listen and think as I share some of this with you. God reigns. He reigns over all the earth. Forever and ever. All means all. And that's all all means. Psalm 139 says. If I can. I'm sorry. It says. I can never escape from your spirit. Where could I go from your presence? If I go to heaven. You're there. If I go to the grave. You're there. Literally what it says is. If I go to heaven. You're there. If I go to hell. You're there. If I ride the wings of the morning. Or dwell by the farthest sea. Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. That psalm reminds me that the Lord is not the God of the promised land. He's not the God of the Middle East. He's not the God of the United States. That psalm reminds me that pick a point on the compass. Go north. As far as you want to go, God will be there. Take a point on the compass. East, west, south. Go as far as you want to go. And when you get weary and sit down, God will be there. The sun never sets on the shadow of God's power, God's presence, and God's providence. He has total, endless, matchless, perfect power, wisdom, and dominion over all that exists. Over all continents, all countries, all regions, all states, all cities, all neighborhoods, and every home, including yours. From God's perspective, it might look like an anthill on dope from your vantage point. But from God's vantage point, He is Lord and He reigns in your home. Revelation 11 says, I heard voices shouting in the heavens, 
the worlds have now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he reigns forever and ever. What a contrast to the brief blink. If, if you blink, you'll miss it. How short the reign of our political leaders are. Everybody's up in arms about President Trump today. There'll be a day when he's gone. Everybody was up in arms when President Obama was president. He's gone. Everybody's up in How quickly these little blips rise, appear, but then they vanish. But the reign of God goes on forever and ever and ever. God reigns over all the universe. All of the heavens, all of the earth, and all of nature. All means all. And that's all all means. Isaiah 66 says, or God says in Isaiah 66, The heavens are my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a place of rest? My hands made both the heavens and the earth, they and everything in them belong to me. That includes every moon, every meteorite, every comet, every planet, every star, every black hole. God created, owns, and controls all that is in the heavens. They belong to him. Psalm 147, it's one of my favorite psalms, says, God determines the number of the stars and he calls them out each by name. You know what that literally means in the Hebrew language? It's like uh, 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 one of these old uh, people, that, uh, be careful, one of these, uh, these elderly people on, on like these, these shows that show people that are unusual and uh, they'll, they, uh, they'll have a bunch, like, like a zillion cats or a zillion one of them for every, they'll, and, they, and they'll, they'll, they, they have a name for every one of them, for every one of them. Literally, the Hebrew language is that God calls the stars out each day by, in the, the Hebrew language is a pet name. A name of intimacy. Like you would, you would have a little pet name for your fondest pet. That's the way, that is the, the, the brilliance of God. I don't know how many stars there are. They tell me there's a bunch. God has a pet name for every one of them. God reigns over all that occurs on the earth. The land, the sea, the sky, the weather, and even time itself. God commands the sun and the moon, drought and flood, whale and raven, as well as all of the creatures seen and unseen, above, below, and upon the earth. On Wednesday nights, we're studying the book of Job. And buddy, that's not a study for the uh, faint of heart. But there is a glorious part there at the end. We hadn't gotten here yet, but we're going to get there where God comes and has a chat with Job and he begins to talk to Job about his own power and his ability to control 
all of the creatures upon the face of the earth. And there's two or three special creatures. And I don't know whether they were poetic, metaphorical creatures or whether they were real creatures that are now extinct. Or maybe they uh, were represent representatives of uh, hippos and alligators, I think was the two. But that doesn't matter. Whatever they were, they were horrifying and ominous and powerful. And the way God talks to Job about those creatures is as if they were little puppies. They do exactly what he says. God reigns over all of the peoples of the earth. All means all, and that's all all means. Name a person that God does not reign over. Now some of you are thinking, he doesn't reign over my ex. Or he doesn't reign over my mother-in-law. He doesn't reign over my boss. He doesn't reign over my neighbor. I thought that too. <laughs> but the truth is, the Bible doesn't. There's not a person on this planet that the God of the Bible does not reign over. Tell me his name. Tell me her name. Tell me the, their address where God does not reign over that person. Second Chronicles 20 says, Lord God, are you not in the heavens? Do you not reign over all of the kingdoms and nations of the earth? In your hand are power and might, so that not one person is able to withstand you. That seems like that's pretty much all of them, doesn't it? Not one person is able to withstand you. The good, the bad, the rich, the poor, the old, the young, the religious, the irreligious, the powerful, the insignificant, the known and the unknown, kings and widows, prophets and atheists, slaves and masters, the educated and the ignorant, the blue and the red, the me-toos and the you-toos. Isaiah 40 says, God brings princes to nothing. And he makes the earth's rulers as if they never existed. The kings and emperors, the Caesars, the presidents, the prime ministers, in God, from God reigns in such magnificence that the impact that spills out of his, the pockets of his robe by accident. In contrast to the impact of all of the pharaohs and Caesars and presidents and dictators throughout history. Makes their impact as if it was nothing. Jeremiah 1 says, or, or God says in Jeremiah 1. I am calling the armies of Babylon to come and destroy Jerusalem. For I, the Lord, have spoken. That seems like a random verse. But I could have read hundreds of verses where God makes the same statement. Pharaoh, I want you to do this. King of Assyria, you do this. King of Babylon, you do this. 
king of the Medes or the Persians, you do this. The, king, the Caesars of Rome, you do this. I need a, ta- uh, a uh, tax plan. I've got a, a little uh, uh, unmarried virgin lady that lives about 90 miles from where I need her to be. Hmm. How can I get her there? I could zap her there. Or I could send down a chariot driven by uh, uh, fiery stallions and uh, led by, an, by, by Gabriel. I, all kind of ways I could do that. Caesar, you ain't got nothing going on. You create a law and, and in that law you get her to go 90 miles exactly on the day that I need her to be there. The rulers of the world, they obey. Psalm 33 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart are established throughout all generations. And Isaiah 5, I love this one. I was telling Ashley this the other day. One of my favorite verses. Isaiah 5 says that God whistles for the nations to come. He calls to the ends of the earth and here they come swiftly and speedily. He just, like you'd whistle for a bird dog. Come on, come on. And comes running across the field. He whistles to the rulers of the nations and they come running. Who, who could declare that? Who could say? Who has the unmitigated gall and arrogance and self-importance and self-deception to make such a declaration? I only know one. And that's the God of the Bible. God reigns over all that occurs on earth. All means all. And that's all all means. God reigns over all war and all peace, over crisis and calm, over economic catastrophe and prosperity. Ephesians 1 says that God is far above all rule, authority. God decrees victory and His name is above all names. God decrees victory and success, defeat and failure, life and death, sickness and health, joy and sadness. Jeremiah 32 says, I am the Lord God of all the peoples of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? God reigns over evil and good, the seen and the unseen worlds, individuals and nations. Again, we're studying Job. I'm not saying Job's an easy book. I'm not saying there's not things that we've got to wrestle with. But I can tell you this, if it says anything, The book of Job says that Satan comes into the presence of God like a pauper and says, hey, I'd like to do something, but I need your permission. He doesn't take a breath without being given permission by God. Psalm 75 says, or God says in Psalm 75, at the time that I have planned, I will do judges. He does against the wicked. It is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise and who will fall. 
The greatest preacher of the 19th century was a man named Charles Spurgeon. And he lived in London. And uh, he changed the world, literally changed the world. And I, I read a quote, and I, I will murder it because it's 30 years ago. But the gist, of I've never forgotten the message of the quote. And that was basically, he said, that the dust that floats in the sunbeams in a, through a window and the water droplets that splash against the paddle wheel of the steamboat, the aphids that crawl across the rosebuds, and the pestilence that marches across continents, the chaff that blows in the wind after a farmer raises it in the air. And what was the other one? Oh, and the, the path of the stars in the skies. Not one of them moves an atom more or less to the right or the left apart from God's approval. Colossians 1 says, Christ is supreme over all creation. For through him God created all that exists in the heavens and on the earth. He made what we can see and he made what we can't see. <clears throat> such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the invisible world. All things were created through him and for him. He existed before creation and he holds all of creation together. Our God reigns. God reigns seated, the Bible says, on a throne that is altogether holy. Every time the Bible talks about the throne of God. I say every time, I better be careful. I cannot think of an example. I cannot think of an exception. Where the Bible, and I looked, I cannot find an exception. There could be, and if there is, you can let me know. But I couldn't find one where the Bible talks about the throne or the throne room of God without in, uh, 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 including the idea that it is a place of holiness. He's seated on a throne that is altogether holy. All means all, and that's all all means. Revelation 4 says it this way, Day after day and night after night, the host of heaven continually declares, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. God's throne isn't selfish, vain, petty, capricious, indulgent, or defiled by sin, deceit, corruption, cover-up, or injustice. But rather, his throne is full of righteousness, purity, truth, and holiness. Our God reigns. God reigns on a throne. I love this. 
Again, I tried to find an exception, and I only found one. You might can find another one. If you do, you let me know. I only found one. Nowhere in the Bible but one place that I could find does the Bible picture God standing. There's one. I'm going to see if there's a Bible scholar in here who can tell me. Only one time could I find, almost every time, I believe every time but one, when the Bible pictures God, God is seated on a throne. All, and it's, he's always seated on a throne. All means all, and that's all all means. What that communicates is that God is never dismayed. He's never stymied. He's never in a dilemma. He's never fearful. He's never frustrated. He's never worried. Do you realize I have spent 33 years. I'm just telling you the truth. Well, yeah. No, no, because it was a year before she popped out. I've spent 33 years worrying about my daughter. I get up worrying about her. I go to bed worrying about her. If she's working, I'm worried about stuff. If she's not working, I'm worried about stuff. If she's parenting, I'm worried about stuff. If she's not parenting, I'm worried about I'm, I, I've always worried about her. It's wrong. I confess it is sin. I'm just telling you that's a stronghold and a struggle for me. Do you know that God has never once worried about me? God has never once worried about you. God's never been frustrated about you. He's never wrung his hands about you. He sits at rest knowing his eternal power can and will accomplish every purpose and plan that he has for you and for me. Psalm 115 says, Our God reigns in the heavens doing everything that he pleases. God has the sovereign right and power to do whatever makes him happy all the time. Now I did tell you, because y'all are all dying to know, What's the one time where God is seen standing? When? Stephen. Stephen. I don't know about the Garden of Eden. Well, he was walking. Okay, I buy, you know what? Dead gummit. That's that. There you go. So I, two. <laughs> My bad. Well, he wasn't standing, but he is walking. But he's walking. Um, but the one I was thinking of, and it's so incredibly significant if you think about it. Stephen, when he is stoned and he dies, and at the moment he goes from the earth and being stoned as a martyr for his love for Christ and goes into the presence of God, God stands. God stands. Now you think about that. God's not standing in reaction. He's not standing in gasping. He's not standing to do something. He's standing to communicate honor to someone who gave his life for, his, for God's kingdom. He said, he said, God, but almost always, two times now, God is seated because he's not frustrated. He's not worked up. He's not rushing around going, oh my gosh. 
God reigns over all human hearts. All means all. And that's all all means. Yes, God allows freedom. Allows mankind to have freedom to submit. And freedom to spurn his authority. But doubt you not. God giving us freedom to submit. God giving us freedom to spurn. That is incredibly temporary and limited and brief. The rebellion of the foolish and the wicked still ultimately serves God's purposes and plans. Psalm 76 says this, Even man's defiance enhances the glory of God. Now that ought to make a Presbyterian shout, dead gummy. Even man's defiance enhances the glory of God. And then you know what the rest of the verse says? God wears the survivors of his wrath like jewelry. Those that experience the wrath of God and they finally go, oh my gosh, I was wrong. I, I, I'm wrong. I, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I want to now submit to you. God says, I pluck them up and put them on myself like a lady would put on her jewelry. Isn't that a lovely, isn't that a lovely idea? The submission and the obedience of the wise, that leads to a life of immeasurable impact, peace, and blessing. Isaiah 57 says, or God says, I, live, I will live with, I will restore, I will revive, I will heal, and I will comfort the crushed, the humble, the repentant, and the mournful. And I will fill their lives with abundant peace. God reigns. And all who yield to and trust God's Son can live in confidence and in security like the sons and daughters of a king should. God reigns to continually pour out on His children His goodness, His love, His redemption, His wisdom, and His righteousness. God reigns so that we can live in peace and love and joy and courage and freedom and faith and holiness and mercy and grace. Romans 8 says that we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Genesis 50 says, What you meant for evil against me, God has used for good. To bring salvation to many others. And Isaiah 64 says that no one has ever seen a God. Who works on behalf of those who wait for him. If I actually believe that. That God gets up every morning. And, you, and his immeasurable eternal abundance. And his Omnipotent power to work on my behalf. Turning anything and everything that others would use for my harm 
into things that would be used for my good. If I really believed that, if that could somehow be true and not just some kind of religious platitude, how would that affect how I live my day and how I embrace and deal with the challenges of life? God reigns so that I can endure and suffer and forgive and lay down control and hate and revenge. God reigns so that I can give Him my sin and my sorrow and my pain knowing that He will make right and reward and punish perfectly. God's reign should impact my words and my actions and my relationships and my ability to be faithful. And it should dispel my battles with worry and stress and complaining and murmuring. And it should lead me and it should lead you to spend more time each day singing praise and thanksgiving than speaking words of anger, doubt, and fear. Revelation 19 says that I heard in the heavens sounds like the crowd, like crowd shouting, like oceans roaring, and like thunder crashing. And it was saying, praise the Lord, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Therefore, let us be glad and rejoice and give him honor for our God reigns. I believe with all of my heart more than I believe in my wife more than I believe that I am here on this planet more than I believe anything in my life I believe that the God of the Bible the Lord of Abraham the God of Moses the God of David the Father of Lord Jesus Christ himself he reigns does my strong belief in God's sovereign reign create problems and difficulties as I look around this world and I see the suffering and the confusion and the poverty and the hatred and the injustice of the world that I live in? Does my belief in God's sovereign reign, does that create problems for me when I look around at the chaos and the suffering and the evil and the injustice of this world yes absolutely and I would be lying to you if I confessed anything else how can God literally and practically and realistically and completely be reigning over a world where things occur every second of every day that seem so contrary to his reign. How can that be? And I don't know. I don't know. I can give you all kind of cute little 
platitudes and slogans and things that, you know, are written on plaques at Stuckey's and all that kind of stuff. I can, I can, I can, but at the end of the day, I don't know. Believing in the sovereign reign of God creates problems, intellectually and theologically. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't create as many problems as believing that God is not reigning. Try that plan for a while. Wake up every morning for a month and declare God is not in charge. God does not reign. God is not sovereign. This will be an example that some of you will think is terrible. Sorry. But it's the way my little mind works. I don't want to go to Nashville. I don't want to go to Nashville. But my wife is driving me to Nashville. I want to go to Jackson, Mississippi. I'm committed to going to Jackson. I believe that Jackson is a place where I'll be happy and where all good things will occur in my life. And she gets me in the car and she starts driving me to Nashville. And I'm screaming loud and as consistently as I can, I don't want to go to Nashville. I don't want to go to Nashville. Why are you taking me to Nashville? I want to go to Jackson. Nothing in Nashville is going to make me happy. Everything in Jackson is going to make me happy. We're going 70 miles down the interstate. I-40 going to Nashville. All I can tell you is this. I'd rather be in a car going 70 miles an hour down the interstate going in a direction that I don't like but it's being driven by someone who loves me and knows me and is committed to my good rather than going down the interstate headed toward Jackson and the car's not being driven by anybody. It's out of control. I don't know if... I've got my doubts that Shirley's going to make me happy if we get to Nashville. But I am absolutely certain if we're going down the road the other way and no one's steering, that's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Do I live like God is reigning in heaven? moments truthfully much of my day I live more like God is that Wizard of Oz dude behind that curtain he's pulling all those knobs and making the fire burn and the smoke come out and the noise and but but he's behind there and the longer the movie goes the more frantic he becomes because at the end of the day him making all that smoke and noise and lights and pulling all those levers, he had no control over anything. And I live so much of the day, so much of my life, as if God is making a big hoopla. But at the end of the day, he's not in control. He's not in control. Is my God like that wizard behind the curtain? Or is my God reflected in what these verses have declared? Isaiah 52 says, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of God's peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. Would my wife declare that I've got pretty feet? Would my daughter or my son or my grandson declare that I've got pretty feet? Because they hear in and through and under and above and around the message that my God reigns. It doesn't mean I'm always happy. It doesn't mean that I've always got a smile. It doesn't mean that I've always got the right answers. It doesn't mean that I always do right. But do I live my life driven by that fear that disaster and impending doom is right around the corner and if everything doesn't fall into place exactly as it should, oh my gosh, it's hopeless. Or do I live with the message, ever so subtle maybe, but the message that when I face marital problems, or my kids are not doing right, or my job's going to hell in a handbasket, or my government is acting like crazy people, or I'm dealing with health issues that would make the demons of hell tremble. Do I still approach and respond with the confidence that at the end of the day, my God reigns? I know what the world is telling those because the world be afraid. Be afraid. Because the world is in the wrong hands and it's out of control. My Bible says be courageous and be at peace. Because the world is not out of control and it is in the right hands. And someday that'll be clear to everybody, even me. We're going to take a moment and we're going to uh, take bread and we're going to take wine and we're going to eat and we're going to drink and we're going to Declare through that act that we believe that the one who reigns in heaven sent his son down to this earth and he became a man and he lived a life for 30 years or 33 years of perfection and he ultimately died at the hands of people that from our perspective, if we had been there, we'd be going, oh my gosh, things are out of control. Oh my gosh, this can't happen. Oh my gosh, this is wrong. Oh my gosh, nobody's got the steering wheel. Does everybody not see that this isn't, this isn't the way it ought to work? And yet, from God's perspective, it worked exactly the way it was supposed to.
exactly the way it was supposed to. We're going to eat, and we're going to drink, and we're going to remember, and we're going to rejoice that our God loves us, that our God has saved us, that our God has adopted us into his family, and that he reigns. If you believe that, if that is your hope, then I invite you to come and to eat and drink and to remember and rejoice and give thanks. Um, Doug, uh, would you and your bride come and help us? Come help me, please. The yellow is grape juice and the purple is wine. And uh, Michael and is it for Ms. Terry? Michael and Terry, uh, thank y'all for praying for us when we need prayer. They're going to be by the windows. If you need prayer today, something's going on and you just need some somebody to help you, to pray for you. Um, they're going to be uh, by the windows on each side, ready to pray for you. Avail yourself of that if that is your need. Okay? All means all, and that's all all means. And I'm telling all of you that the God of the Bible is in control of all aspects of our lives and of all aspects of this world. Okay? You come.